I was just, my heart's a little heavy today because of Israel. You know, I think a lot of us are, um, you know, we just went in May. I mean, that could have been us. We had a, a good friend of ours, he's a pastor, and he was supposed to lead a, his church this week, and they got canceled. And then we have people we know over there. And uh, and so it's, uh, I don't know, it's, um, and then I got people texting, asking questions, what does this mean, you know, and uh, which is a great question, and it's gonna, it would take time to, to answer the question. Um, you know, so I'm kind of I'm gonna do something different today. Um, um, which I'm, you gotta understand that I, I do a lot of preparation, <laughs> and and, uh, and I I put a lot of time into what I'm what I want to do, and um, it's it's significant that you know we've been in Genesis. So just go there real fast. We're gonna. I don't know. We're, we're gonna gonna go. To, so we're supposed to be in Genesis forty-five, right? And we're we're talking about Joseph, and and so I'm gonna kind of tie this all into something. So <laughs> I don't know. My heart's a little heavy today, and and I know it's, um, but I'm just gonna trust the Lord. So we've been in Joseph, right? So Joseph is sent ahead of his of his brothers of his family to Egypt, you know. And of course he he says uh I'll go to 45 and look at verse 5. We already covered this and so I'm kind of I'm not going to do the necessarily the rest of the chapter I, I wanted to or maybe we'll get to there who knows, okay? So he says to his brothers in verse 5, 45 5, so don't be grieved, don't be angry at yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me here to preserve life, right? Uh, and he says the famine is two more years. Verse six, there's five more years in verse six. Two years have two years have gone. Five years to come. Uh, God sent me here. Look at verse seven. This is significant. God sent me here before you to establish for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive. Right? Okay. So Joseph understands where he stands in the history of of where they're at right now, and this is at the baby stages of Israel. Right? So God had told Abraham, I'm going to make you, Abraham, into a great nation, right? Abram, you're going to be Abraham, father of a multitude. He has no children. He eventually has Ishmael, but that was the wrong way. Then he has Isaac, the child of promise. But God says to, Ish, uh, to Abraham, you're, no, your children are going to outnumber, you know, look at the stars in the heavens, look at the sands, the, the sands on the, it's going to, that's how numerous your, you know, your people are going to be, right? And so, this right here is now you're at you're at God's promise to Abraham, and then you have all kinds of hurdles and roadblocks that get in the way that want to sort of get that promise of God and not make it happen, right? And so far, God will do is he'll he always comes through in his promises, right? So now he's got Joseph going ahead of them to preserve his people who will become Israel. Now, what has to happen is he has to get his children. Now there's going to be 70, there's going to be the kids and the grandkids and all that, all out to Egypt. And they're going to spend 400 plus years in Egypt growing into a nation, right? Now what's interesting is this, and this is part of God's plan, is that God's plan for Israel still has to be accomplished. Now, I'm, 
I'm not going to have time to get into all this stuff, okay? So maybe it will take some weeks to look into stuff. Because people are asking, I got somebody text me yesterday, what, what does this all mean for prophecy, for end times, for the church, for Israel? What does this all mean? Right? We've asked those questions. Okay. Israel is not going anywhere. Okay? Israel's not going anywhere. In fact, Jesus Christ is going to come back and touch ground on the Mount of Olives. Okay? Now, again, I'm not going to have a chance to go through all the details. I, I, we'll do that, right? Because God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, His promise throughout Old Testament, we'll look at some of this today, is still meant to happen to ethnic Jewish people. Like, Israel as a country, the fact that they are a country is a miracle of God. I'm not going to get to the politics. You know, there's, you know, all kinds of bad things happen on both sides, right? But ultimately, it's God's will for Israel to be a nation. The problem is this the world is going to hate that. It already hates that. We're going to look at a lot of verses. Okay, we're going to do a little Bible study. Okay, this is not in the script. <laughs> this is this is the Lord telling me out in the parking lot. I'm changing you your your sermon today. <laughs> you better take some. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you. Um, ultimately, my opinion: this attack on Israel is technically, in one sense, it's not found in a chapter or verse necessarily. But boy, is it a, it could be a setup for future things. Why? Because the enemies of Israel could probably look at Israel and say, you guys are vulnerable. Hmm, we can learn from this, right? Um, the way I read Old Testament prophecy, which we can cover in some weeks, is um, these aren't all the right players that are supposed to happen. There's going to be an attack in Israel that's way more significant than, than what happened. But it tells you that the world, the world is going to, and the scripture talks about this, that the world is going to, Surround Israel is going to be the, the the center point of the world, and you know that it's the it's the boil it's and politically spiritually it's all right there right. It's uh, those of us who where we went there. You sense there's uh, there's a, something special about the place, but you know there's there was tension there's and okay. So I want to I want to take us through a bunch of scripture. Can I do that? Okay, and my whole point is this, is that God's not done with Israel. Some people believe that the church has replaced Israel. I don't buy that. That's not where I stand. Uh, but about 70 some odd times, uh, I think in the New Testament, there's a distinction between the church and ethnic Israel. God's promises are still meant for Israel. Israel and Judah as a country. Why is this important? Because if God breaks one promise... He can't be trusted. You can't spiritualize all this away and say, well, as a church, we've been grafted in. We've been adopted spiritually. That's true, right? In one sense, Paul says we are true Israel because we have, we have received Christ. We are circumcised of the heart, right? But God's plan and his promise to Abraham still stands for that country. Okay? So I want you to turn. We're going to look at a lot of verses, Okay? Uh, and I don't have any real particular order, but I want to start with uh, Amos, the book of Amos. So uh, look in your table of contents. <laughs> so my, 
So if you can find the if you could find the, the 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 major prophets, and then after that is the minor prophets. Joel, if you can find Joel, you can, so you got Daniel, you got Daniel, then Hosea, then Joel, then Amos, right? Uh, we're just going to do a, like a little Bible study, okay? Um, and again, this is not exhaustive. Um, it's not going to be exhaustive of all prophetic stuff. That would take too many weeks, and which I would love to do, which maybe we will do. Um, and uh, and so Amos, what did I say? Did I say Amos? Amos nine. I'm just gonna. We're gonna take a look at a bunch of verses. And I'm looking at verse fourteen. And now I'm jumping right in. I'm going to do that. We'll have more time to explain later. Also, I will restore the captivity of my people Israel, and they will rebuild the desolated cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. Let me just stop right here. We went to Israel. One thing that was impressive is how productive that country is. Remember, we're passing down the road. Banana trees, mango trees, you know, there's grapes, there's strawberries, there's watermelon, there's flourishing. Now, if you understand, when Israel came back to, when they started coming back in the 47, 48, it wasn't like that. It was swamp, desert line, right? It was unproducible stuff. And somehow they have, God has allowed them, and you're just, they're just, I think they're practically self-sufficient. For, for a lot of areas, are self-sufficient. I mean, they just had all kinds of produce. And then he says, verse 15, I will also plant them on their land. And look what it says. And they will, what? Not be uprooted from their land, which I have given to them, says Yahweh your God. That tells me, <clears throat> so when I'm bringing them back, they're not going anywhere. They're staying. This is the land I've given, them, given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right. Um, they will not be uprooted again. I have a lot of verses. Go to Isaiah chapter sixty. Isaiah sixty. <clears throat> And uh, let's look at verse, uh, I've got 18. Let's look at 18. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 21 is where my goal is, but 18. Violence will not be heard again in your land, nor devastation or destruction within your borders, but you will call... Your walls, salvation, your gates, praise. No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor brightness will give you. This is now we're talking millennial rain here. But you will have Yahweh for an everlasting light, for God, for your God, and your God for your glory. Your sun will not will no longer set, nor will your moon wane, for you will have Yahweh for an everlasting light, and the days of your mourning will be finished. 
Then all your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever. How long? Forever. Forever. Go to Ezekiel. I'm going to come back to Isaiah in a second, but go to Ezekiel. Remember the uh, yellow pages? Let your fingers do the walking. Remember that? (laughs) I used to teach Old Testament prophets uh, to a college course, and I'm kind of rusty on on turning my pages in here, but I love teaching uh, Old Testament prophets. I actually learned a lot about the Bible by studying the Old Testament prophets. Uh, Ezekiel. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, let's go to 34. I'm going to look at a lot of different chapters. Um, I suppose I could have taken guys in order of book, but I'm, nah, I'm not do that. Ezekiel, 30, Ezekiel 34, and let's skip down to um, 28. I'm again. I'm, I'm jumping in. No, let's get to 25, 25. I will cut a, a covenant of peace with them and cause harmful beasts to cease from the land so they will live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season and there will be showers of blessing. Also, the tree of the field will yield its fruit and the earth will yield its produce They will be, and they will be secure in their land, on their land then they will know that I am Yahweh, the Lord, when I have broken the bars of their yoke and have delivered them from the hand of those who have enslaved them. They will, verse 20, here it is, they will no longer be plundered to the nations and the beasts of the earth will not devour them, but they will live securely and no one will make them tremble. For I will, I will establish for them a renowned planting place, and they will not again be victims of famine in the land, and they will not bear the dishonor of nations anymore. Then they will know that I, Yahweh, their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord. As for you, my sheep, my sheep for my pasture, you men. I'm, I'm your God. Verse, back up to what I say. Verse um, 28. They will no longer be plunder for nations. They will security, and no one will make them tremble. Uh, go to 37, Ezekiel 37. Um, 37, uh, I'm looking at 25 and 26. They will inhabit the land that I gave to Jacob, my servant, which your fathers inhabited, and they will inhabit it, they and their sons, and their sons, how long? Forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. Now, obviously, this is speaking Messiah, Jesus. Okay, Ezekiel's writing after David. David's got, you know, he's already dead by this time. So this is looking prophetically into the future, in the time when they're going to inhabit the land forever. Never to be scattered again. We'll look at that verse in a second. And then he says, I will cut a covenant with peace with them, and it will be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will give them the land and multiply them and set my sanctuary in their midst forever. In fact, Ezekiel describes uh, the millennial sanctuary that's to be built in chapter 40, of the, the tabernacle, uh, that he's going to dwell with them. And the nations will know that I am Yahweh who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in the midst forever. Forever. Okay. How is God turning his back on Israel? 
I mean, we want these promises to be fulfilled because if he breaks one promise, then what do we have to trust in? The whole world doesn't want this to happen. And, 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 and God is going to keep his word. Uh, go back to Ezekiel 11. Ezekiel 11. I know this is, hey, it's a Bible study. We're going to do that today, okay? How's that? Ezekiel 11. Verse 14, Then the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, your brothers, your relatives, your fellow exiles, and the whole house of Israel, all of them are those to whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Go far from Yahweh, this land has been given to us as a possession. Therefore say, thus says the Lord, the Lord Yahweh, Though I have removed them far away from among the nations, and though I had scattered them among the countries... Yet I was a sanctuary for them a little while, and the countries really long had gone, had gone. Let me just stop right there. You gotta understand, Israel was scattered, right? Assyrian scattered, uh, well, technically transplanted, and the Babylonian captivity. But this is speaking of a different time. This is speaking of his people scattered throughout all the countries, throughout the world. So we're not talking about him talking about uh, coming back from Babylon. This is different. Okay. Then he, where, where did I leave off here? What, what verse did I just leave off then? 16? Did I read that? Look at verse 17. Therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries among which you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And he goes on from there, I'll give them the heart, new spirit, walk in my ways so they don't you know, leave anymore. God's plan for Israel is still has to be accomplished. God's plan for Israel is still yet to be accomplished. Oh boy, let's do a couple more verses. How's that sound? You guys good? All right, let's go. <clears throat> and the reason I'm doing this is because I want to see that throughout the prophets, they are, they are time and time again, they're going to say the same thing. And in the New Testament, there is no indication that, that, God, that there is a distinction between the church and ethnic Israel. Like I said, 73 times I think it is, there's a distinction. As believers, we've been grafted into those promises but God's promise still holds. Even Paul says in Romans, he goes, I pray for my brothers. I wish they could come to Christ, basically. Was it Romans 9? You know? Ezekiel um, 28. Go to Ezekiel 28. Verse 25. Thus says the Lord Yahweh, when I gather the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered, and I will manifest my holiness in them in the sight of the nations, then they will live in their land which I gave to my servant Jacob. And you're talking, 
Jacob lived a long, long time before this. This is Ezekiel, who's uh, who's in um, um, in the uh, during the time of rebelling, the five hundreds, and so this still has to happen. They will live in it securely, and they will build houses, plant vineyards. They live securely while when I execute judgments on all who have scorned them all around. Then they will know that I am Yahweh, their God. Look at Zechariah. Go to Zechariah. Go to your right. Oh, it's your right. Uh, Zechariah uh, chapter 12. <clears throat> the oracle of the word of, of Yahweh concerning Israel. Thus declares Yahweh, who stretched out the heavens and lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Now this is, this you can turn on the news now and understand how this is so true. We know this. Look at this. Behold, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that causes reeling to all the peoples all around. I mean, it's like Jerusalem is that, the, the, the hot spot of the entire earth is Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not that big of a city. You understand that? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, um, but it's, it's a hot spot. It's the centerpiece of three of the major world religions, Christianity, Judaism, and, and Islam. Although, yeah. Now the one in siege against Jerusalem will also be against Judah. But in, it will be in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who heave it up will be severely injured. And all the nations of the earth will be What? gathered against it. Now here's the thing. What the Palestinians did in Gaza is nothing compared to what's going to happen in the future. Ezekiel 38 talks about other nations from the north that come up. Now you've got the whole world against Israel. Now, if you were a betting man, so to speak, <laughs> a person who doesn't know God you would say, Israel has no chance. They're tiny. They're, I mean, almost indefensible. I mean, they're, 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 they're now you've got the whole world going against them. What chance do they have when the whole world's against them? But when you have God with you, all hell can break loose and not touch you. Satan can send everything he has against you. And you have God on your side, with you, being your defense. I'll take those odds. Amen? I don't live in Israel. I love the people there. But sometimes I feel like I have Satan and all his demons against me, right? But I trust if God has been faithful and he will be faithful to his people, he'll be faithful to us. 
what's really going on in this, this is a test of God's character. Can God actually protect the, his people? Can he actually come through for his people despite the whole world being against them? If he can't handle little Israel, then what hope did I have? But bless God, praise God, Jesus Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, will come and reign on this earth as the son of David, as the Messiah in Israel. This is, you're like, what's the big deal here? This is, can God do something or not? Can he be faithful or not? Can he protect us or not? Can he bring us through or not? The fact that there's a country, that the fact that there's a Jewish people that exist is a miracle of God. You understand. You can go through scriptures and read all kinds of ites that don't exist any longer. You understand that, right? God says, I'm going to use this people to demonstrate my glory. Are they the greatest? No, they're not. Are they the biggest? No, they're not. In fact, they were probably the smallest and weakest. He goes, I'm going to claim and use those people. You know what it is? God does things through weak people, doesn't he? He uses the weak of the world. He uses those of us who are unsure of ourselves. We have no confidence. We have nothing to offer. I mean, he picked, look at the people he picked to be his disciples. Fishermen, tax collectors, the rejects of society, ex-prostitutes are his followers that turn the world upside down. Why? Because the difference wasn't them or you or I or our intelligence. Or we have to, the difference was our God. Right, amen? Right. So he says, where was I at? I lost my train of thought. He says, verse 3, I'm going to read it again. But in that day, I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples, and all who heave it up will be severely injured. You try to do something with Jerusalem and make any kind of, you know, you're, you're trying to make, you know, your plans and make it. No, no, no. It's going to come against you. It's not move. This is my, the God says, this is my designated territory. All who give it up will be severely injured, and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. You know, right now, Israel has basically very little. They have the United States and no one else, and God. And now you have, and that's questionable, right? Now you have all the nations of the earth against you. That means now they're by themselves. Now they're absolutely by themselves. But they have God, don't they? And when you're standing against forces that are more powerful than you you don't look to yourself can you what do i have but you have a god that's with you in that day declares lord verse four i will strike every horse with bewilderment and his rider with madness but I will open my eyes to watch over the house of Judah while I strike every horse on the, of the peoples with blindness. God says, I got this. <laughs> then the clans of Judah will say in their hearts, a strong support for us are the inhabitants of Jerusalem through Yahweh of hosts their God. 
In that day, I will make the clans of Judah like a fiery labor among pieces of wood and a fiery torch among sheaves so that they will consume on their right and on their left a hand and left, right hand and the left, all the surrounding peoples, while Jerusalem will again be inhabited in its own place in Jerusalem. Yahweh will also save the tents of Judah first, so that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem will not be magnified above Judah. In that day, Yahweh will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And the one who stumbles among them in that day will be like David. And the house of David will be like God, like the angel of Yahweh before him. And it will be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. So it did what happened the other day, is this prophetic? Well, in one sense, it's a peace. But it's nothing compared to what's coming. And the good news is that Israel is here to stay. Because God made a promise, and God does not make it, does not break promises, does He? No matter how, how, how challenging, overwhelming life can be, God is faithful. Amen. God has demonstrated that. It's almost like that is the theme of God's promise. I make a promise, and I'm faithful to keep it, no matter. If people get in the way, time gets in the way, enemies are strong, you're weak, all that doesn't matter. God is faithful to his promise. Amen? I don't remember. Did I take you guys to Isaiah? How about Jeremiah? Go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah. 31. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. Yeah, Isaiah, or Jeremiah 31. And uh, I'm going to start in verse, um, let's go to 7 first. Hold on, get some drink. Verse 7, Jeremiah says, For thus says Yahweh, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and shout among the head of the nations. Make it heard, give praise, and say, O Yahweh, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I am bringing them from the north country, and I will gather them from, what does it say? The remotest parts of the earth. You know, when they started going back to Israel, you know, in the late 40s, and, and then from there, obviously, they're coming from everywhere. And they're being drawn there. Like we have to come back to her. And now you go there, and they're thriving. And there's, they have, I think the last time um, I was in Israel years ago, they compete. At that time, they were second to Holland in flower exports. You know, you got a lot of flowers from, from the, the Netherlands. They were second to Holland in the world. You know, you got to understand, you know, Israel's, I mean, I think Maricopa County is probably bigger than Israel. 
It's it's like New Jersey. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing because I, 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 I've driven the, I've been on the turnpike in New Jersey, but Dwayne's from New Jersey, but he's watching. But anyway, where was I at? Verse eight. I'm going to get, so he gathers them. And that to me starts a bigger, a bigger time clock. So here's the time clock. Acts two, last days start in Acts two. The pouring of the Holy Spirit starts the last days, Right? But it's not until now God, God has gathered his people into their land. Where now I have another time clock that says, now my time clock's speeding up a little more. Because I, I see that there's a point here where in history, this has to happen. Jesus can come back any time. But now I'm realizing we're getting close. Keep your lamb, your lamb oil full and your wicks trimmed and be ready. Right? Because Jesus Christ, though, is going to come for his bride. God's plan for Israel is separate from that God's plan for the church. You understand? The church is the bride of Christ. So here's this. If you read the book of John, we studied John, remember? We didn't finish it. But John organized his entire gospel around the Jewish feast. It's the first miracle of Jesus. A wedding, right? Passover is, is, is a major feast there, and, and, and others. So but one of the themes in John is Jesus says, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. Okay, that's wedding talk right there. Because a Jewish man who was engaged or betrothed, then technically that was a marriage because you had to get divorced to be, uh, unbetroth you, <laughs> if that's a word. So he had to go and prepare a place at his father's house. And when dad said, hey, you're finished, son, go get your wife, go get your bride, he'd come back for his bride. The church has always been the bride of Christ. Okay, the church, in fact, is a mystery in the Old Testament. I'm I'm going off on (laughs) the church is a mystery in the Old Testament, and technically, in one sense, the church is it's a mystery. We're actually hidden between verses. Well, I'll give we'll do a Bible study on that. So God's promise for Jesus was to give him a bride, and Paul says, "I'm I am." You know, I'm preparing you guys to be this unblemished bride for Christ. I'm paraphrasing the verse, but the idea is that we're the bride of Christ. Well, those promises and that, those scriptures that talk about us being the bride of Christ are separate from the promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're grafted in to the, the reign of Christ and to the Messiahship of Christ, but he still has promises for Israel. Does that make sense? So I hear right now, when I'm reading these prophets, they're mentioning Israel, Judah, the land. Okay, that's significant. Those, those, those things, these things still have to happen. And now what we're seeing uh, as Christians, we're seeing history play out. At some point, God, Christ is coming back for his church. And God's still going to finish up his prophets, or his, uh, his business with Israel. We'll, again, we'll do further studies on that. Does that sound good? Okay, I know this is not a... Where was I at? Verse 8. I will gather them from the remotest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the woman with child, she who is in labor with child, together a great assembly, and they will return here. Um, With weeping they will come, by supplication I will lead them, I will make them walk by streams of water, on a straight path in which they will not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, 
and Ephraim, which is another word for Israel. It's one of the sons of Israel, but it's often used as a um, another word for for the nation of Israel. And Ephraim is my firstborn. Uh, go to chapter thirty-two, Jeremiah thirty-two. Uh, let's do 36. My, my goal is 37 to 40, but let's start at 36. So now, therefore, thus says Yahweh, this is Jeremiah 30 to 32. Yeah, 36, 32, 36. So now, therefore, thus... It's like a tongue twister. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, concerning this city which you are saying, it is given into the hand of the king of Babylon by sword, by famine, by pestilence. He's talking about Israel there. Behold... I will gather them out of all the lands to which I have banished them in my anger and in my wrath and in great indignation, and I will cause them to return to this place and make them inhabit it in safety. So you understand, let me just stop right here. You understand the new covenant in Jeremiah, which we kind of skipped over in uh, back in chapter uh, 31. Go, can I pause right there? Go back to 31. Go back here. Look, look what he says in 31.27. In, in Jeremiah 31.27, uh, Behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast. First of all, he's talking to who? About who? Israel and Judah. That, that's all of Israel. It's not just the tribe of Judah. Now we're talking about the other tribes, which people call the lost tribes of Israel, which aren't lost to God. Right? You understand when when Israel was attacked, when Jerusalem was being when Israel was attacked by the Assyrians, many refugees came from the northern part of Israel and fled refuge in Jerusalem. In fact, Hezekiah builds his walls to kind of make and he kind of makes preparation for these these incoming flux of people from the northern tribes. Okay, here it says Israel and Judah. That tells me it's not just the Jews. There's other people from the sons of Israel, right, that are still around. Who they are, God only knows. Okay, this is how I'm reading it. Look at verse 31. Behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will cut a new covenant with the house of who? Israel and the house of Judah. Okay, that still has to happen, doesn't it? So in one sense, we're grafted in by the new covenant in Christ. This is going to come through Christ as well. But now, eventually, you're going to have ethnic Israelites and as a nation coming and believing that. Okay, that still has to happen. Not like the covenant which I cut with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Interesting, we're in Joseph. We're finding out how they get to Egypt in the first part. 400 years will pass, and then a pharaoh who doesn't really know that his history will kick them out or, or make him slaves, and then God will rescue him in the Exodus. Not like the covenant which I cut with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, but I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will cut with the house of Israel in those, after those days. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." And he goes on from there, right? So that was a pause, right? Where, were we, where was I at? 32. 32. 
Thanks. <laughs> Wait, I was, was I in 32? 32, yeah. So I was going to 37, 32, 37, right? Behold, I will gather them up, verse 37, 32, 37, out of all the lands to which I have banished them in my anger, in my wrath, in, in great indignation, I will cause them to return to this place, Israel, and make them inhabit it in safety. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart, one way, that they may fear me always for their own good and the good of their children after, after them. And I will cut an everlasting covenant with them. How long? Everlasting. Still has to happen, doesn't it? That I will not turn away from them to do good, and I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will, they will not turn away from me. See, in one sense, what God has done in believers is a precursor to what He's going to do in Israel. All right? We're getting the first glimpse, we're getting the first benefits of that, of the new covenant. Being born again, having the Spirit of God dwelling within us. All right? But this is a covenant He still has to keep with, with Israel. So what am I saying in all this? What I'm saying is that God is still going to be faithful to His Word. I've probably got 20 more verses I can look at just on this one point alone. It tells me if, if the prophets are repeating this point time and time and time again, it's almost like ding, 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 don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, no matter what you see and no matter how bad it gets, and the world's against Israel, and the world's against the people of God, God is still faithful. Amen? Amen? And what we see, we pray for our brothers and sisters there. We pray for the people over there. We pray, because we pray for, for God's will to be done. We pray that they come to Christ. Amen? The world can throw everything against the people of God, and if God is with them, they won't. It won't. Yes, there's there's people who are who have gone, they've gone through tragedy, and that's that's terrible things. But God's promise will come to pass because God is faithful. You wonder if God's faithful? You look at the look at the cross because He's faithful to keep His promise, and He's faithful to keep all all His promises that still have yet to be fulfilled. Amen? That's all I have to say. <laughs> hey, you know, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. You know, it's... I think, I think sometimes we can, uh, we can forget. You know, everything that happens in life is filtered through the hand of God. Even Satan needs permission to, to bring stuff into your life. Because sometimes I wish God would say no to him. Maybe he does, you know. Maybe there's things that he says, no. But thank God our faith is not based on our faithfulness. Our faith is based on his faithfulness. He's the rock. If, if, I, if my faith were based on my faithfulness or my strength, or my inability to withstand things, I would, I would lose. Is your faith on the rock of Jesus Christ? Is it on the unchangeableness of God? Is your faith on His faithfulness? Not on what you do for Him, but what He's done for you. On His character. 
Scripture says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself, right? So let's pray. I'm going to pray that God strengthens our faith as we trust in him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you, Lord. First of all, not only do you know the future, Lord, but you, in one sense, control it, Lord. You're sovereign over it. And we see and hear things that are going on in the world that cause a lot of us fear and anguish and anxiety. We wonder, has God left us? Has He changed? Has He changed His mind? Is He not powerful enough? But we read in Your Word, Lord, that so far You have been batting a thousand, Lord. Because every single time, every single time, Lord, You have come through and You have maintained and kept Your Word. Jesus Christ said, my word will last forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will last forever. That tells a lot, Lord, because your word reflects your character. You are trustworthy, Lord. Lord, we're, we're shaky, we're sheep. We scatter easily, Lord. But you are our good shepherd, Lord, who remains faithful to his sheep. And Lord, we understand, Lord, that things going on in this world are very complicated. And we understand, Lord that really the only person who has the wisdom and understanding and ability to bring peace to this world is your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, for peace, Lord, and we pray for the coming of Christ. Lord, help us, Lord, to, re, to, to look to Christ and remain faithful, Lord, but not depending on our strength, but depending on your faithfulness and your unchangeableness, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, that one day, as your word says, they will behold him whom they have pierced. God, we pray, Lord. We do pray, Lord, for those who are leaders in this world, leaders over in Israel, leaders in our country, Lord, uh, for tremendous wisdom, Lord. Lord, you're able to, to guide and turn the hearts of kings um, and leaders and presidents, Lord. Uh, we pray, Lord, for you, you to lead them, Lord. But ultimately, Lord, we pray for the salvation of your people, Lord that many people would turn to you, Lord, even now, Lord, that they would turn to Christ and place their faith in Jesus, their Messiah. And Lord, we just bless you today. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When we stand up, I know it was a little bit different today, but I had to follow the lead of the Lord, which is always the right thing to do. Amen? You can come to God with your script and your plans, and God says... Uh, okay, I'll change those, but yeah, no. <laughs> you can do that. You know? He knows what he's doing. My prayer is always be spirit led. Bless the Lord. Worship was great. Hope you feel better, brother. Yeah. Amen. Honestly, I love you guys. You guys are, you guys are uh, a privilege to, to shepherd. And uh, and uh, just we just praise the Lord for what He's doing in our midst. You know, you know, you, you can put out a, a sign spinner on the street, you know, and attract people, but you can't build a church the way Christ builds churches. You know, and you know, and He picks the unlikely of, of us, right? And so we bless the Lord. Let's bless the Lord. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. I pray your blessing on my friends here. As you spoke uh, through Aaron, you said, May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And that's why I pray for you guys, all of us. Peace, the peace with Christ and the peace of Christ. We pray, Lord, for the peace of Jerusalem as well. In Jesus' name, amen.